Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Shannon L. Alder said, One of the most important things we can do on this earth is to let people know they are not alone. This is episode 64 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Kathy McKinnon. Her biggest struggle in life came about 12 years ago when she had to face infertility and she would hide it from everyone for almost a decade. It was something she felt like no one would understand and in some ways there was shame felt about it. She was able to confide in one close friend but that was it through the entire process. The strength it took to go through the process was unbearable at times, and if you ask her, it was her mental resilience that carried her through. Then, just when she thought she had enough to deal with, she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer while going through her infertility treatment. But she decided not to give up and rely on the people she trusted most. Now, as the founder of Wellness Warrior Coaching, she's helping ambitious women to release burnout and finally step into the confidence and energy they dream of. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Kathy McKinnon. Hey, Kathy, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. Um, you're one of the many people that signed up through podcastguest.com, and uh, it's uh, it's been a really cool experience, and uh, I got a, a lot of different and interesting people. You, you seem to have a story to share, and I can't wait to get into that. Um, so again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's always an honor to be able to share my story and help inspire others. Awesome. So the first question I ask every guest to get started is what is your definition of vulnerability? Oh, you know, it's, I wish it was clean cut, right? It'd be so simple, right? (laughs) To me, it is breaking down my walls and letting others see who I truly am and what I've truly been through to get to where I am today. Simple and, uh, but it's, it's so interesting to me how we all sort of define this um, individually, like we all have our own way of looking at it. Um, But I I definitely agree with what you had to say in terms of sort of breaking down your walls and and putting yourself out there. And and I, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with doing some of the uh, inner work or or self work first. And then, you know, once you once you've done that, it's it's a little bit easier to then start putting yourself out there. But I definitely agree with uh, the need to do that. so yeah, I think it makes us feel a lot less alone at the end of the day. It does. Yeah. And I think that's the final part of truly healing, right? Like you said, you can do all the inner work, but when you're able to speak about whatever it was, trauma, history, whatever, and not have the emotions attached to it and not have that emotional breakdown that maybe you did previously, that's when you know you've really, really started to heal. No, definitely. So if you can look back on your life and, and go back as far as you want, I've had people that started at like five years old and I've had people that talked about like high school time. So it's completely up to you. And, and uh, but when would you say would, would have been sort of the first time in your life that you experienced some sort of vulnerability or, or some sort of challenge or struggle in your life? You know, I think the last probably 12 years, I'll go back 12 years. I struggled with infertility and at the time I felt like it was personally me that was broken. And so I didn't really share or speak about that experience to anyone because I felt like nobody could understand. And so 
I bottled all that up for years, um, a decade, because it took that long for me to speak about it without literally having an anxiety attack. Um, and then I decided to kind of rip off the bandaid and go all in and share my story with the world. So it's, it, it, I don't know how to put this, but it's, you're, you're literally the first person um, that I've had on that had issues with infertility and my wife and I also did. So this is something that I can relate with in, 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 in some sense. I mean, I can't relate directly cause I'm not a female, but in our case, it was actually an issue with me. Um, which was a little different, I think, from a lot of cases, at least from what you hear. Um, but yeah, I can definitely, in a sense, relate with uh, with sort of the struggles behind that. And um, it's definitely not uh, it's definitely not easy, that's for sure. And and no matter whether it's the female body, the male body, nothing really makes that whole situation easier. Simply because at the end of the day, like I think, and and obviously I want to continue with the interview, but I just want to say, like, I think at the end of the day, we all have this sort of, you know, growing up, if you're, if you're hoping to have children, you're, you're, you have this idea that it's going to happen naturally. And, 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 you know, like it's just one day it's going to happen. And then when you sort of get that initial news, it's just sort of like, it takes everything out of you because you feel like there's something majorly wrong with you. You feel like, you know, that, that you can't, uh, um, What's the word? You can't like fulfill your your role as a male or a female, and and it's just I I like I said I I definitely can relate, and um, yeah. So I, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, Thank you for for sharing that and being vulnerable yourself in sharing that. And to your point, right? We all just growing up just think it's something that happens, right? Yeah. We it, we are getting better as a society in talking about infertility, but for the longest time it was we all just thought it just happens. Yeah. And now more and more couples are struggling. And so it is putting this not only physical, but emotional toll on people that we've never had to deal with before. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it it was incredible to me as I started to learn a little bit more about it. um, Is is that, you know, like 50 odd years ago, this wasn't even really an issue, Um, which really sort of, I I guess for me, it sort of sparked a lot of like, why, (laughs) like what, what's happened. And I know there's a million things. And like I said, we could do an entire episode about this and who knows, maybe in the future we will, but um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy that it's sort of become more predominant as we, as we progress, but um, but yeah, what would you say sort of going through that? What what helped you sort of get through that? Like what, what support did you find? I know you said it sort of took you a decade to put yourself out there, but before you were able to do that, like what was there to sort of help you through that time? You know, going through the time when I was actually going through the infertility journey up until when my son was was born, I only confided in, you know, one very close friend. And that friend was kind of my sounding board. And I think everybody, whether it's a coach, a counselor, a close friend, everybody needs that safe space, right? Where you can say whatever you need to say without judgment or criticism. And I had this one friend and, and she knew all the details and she knew every appointment and she was just kind of my sounding board. And, you know, she would say, Hey, I'm here to listen, whatever you, you know, you need to get off your brain. I'm here. Um, And I think everybody needs that. No, it's uh, 100%, I think, in terms of needing support. I mean, for my wife and I, we we kept it between us and then we really just told our parents and stuff. And it, it, I can 
understand how, you know, it, it's definitely one of those things where like, you kind of want to tell the world because you feel like you, you just need to get it out of yourself. But at the same time, it's like, you, you're, you want to be careful as to who I guess you share with. And so having that one person for in your case, um, seems like it was ideal for that situation. And, um, I'm glad that you had that person around because like I said, I can, I can definitely understand sort of the, the, the struggles of that situation. What, new strength presented itself and i know that's sort of a weird question considering you know that it's it's definitely not an easy situation to go through but was there any new strength that you discovered in yourself after or during going through it you know i think it truly became a test of my mental resilience obviously i it was physically draining i was putting my body through a lot a lot of um, appointments and injections and drugs and all these things so there was a physical toll going on, but for me, it was more mental. And so this mental resilience that I found, I didn't think I could go through it. I didn't think I had the strength to keep going on. And there was even a few times where I said to my doctor, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Um, but obviously I did. I have my son, but it truly was a test of mental resilience that I didn't think I had. Uh, and I, again, because like I said, I'm, I'm a male, you're a female, I can't completely relate, but, um, but I can only imagine sort of the, you know, the questions that you might have been asking yourself or, or sort of where you might have gone in your head. And unfortunately, with our heads, sometimes they can lead us in different directions and, and different spaces, and we don't necessarily have all that much control over it. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm glad that you did find that resilience and did end up getting to the point where you were able to have a child because, uh, you know, our little girl is being born in a few weeks oh, here. And I, so I can only imagine, goodness. I can only imagine sort of the excitement and everything um, that I'm about to feel and that you felt when it, when it finally did happen. Uh, so, you know, is there anything else? Um, and obviously I'm sure there's more, I, I read through your bio, so I know there's more to share and more stories, but what, what other sort of stories of vulnerability can you share with our listeners? Oh, you know, looking back now, I'm in such a different place than when I was going through what I call the, the ugly time of my life. So not only did I face infertility, but in the midst of that infertility journey, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And so I had a cancer journey as well. And to your point, I debated how much do I tell? Who do I tell? You know, what do I tell? Because even I didn't have the answers. And I think when you are being vulnerable, um, people want the story. And I didn't feel like I had the second half of the story. I only knew the beginning. And being able to articulate that in a way that, hey, I don't know where this is going and manage all the questions that come back, right? Because once you say, hey, I've got this, or this is what's going on, you get a lot of questions back. And of course, people mean well, they just want the best for you, but it can be very overwhelming. And unfortunately, at the time, my way of um, filtering that out was to shut down and only be vulnerable with the select few. And right, wrong, or indifferent, that was my way of managing the feedback. Um, but now what I've learned and through all my growing is that I actually, that feedback would have helped me work through all the thoughts in my head because I was, to your point, I was going down those rabbit holes. I was doing, you know, all this 
mind chatter and things that I didn't even realize I was doing at the time because I was in survival mode, right? But if I had had those sounding boards and I had had, I had given myself that opportunity to talk through it with people and see the different angles, I probably could have prevented going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, I'm sure, because at the end of the day, like, you know, when you, when you do have that sounding board and you're able to sort of just, uh, I guess, filter some of the thoughts, it may help. But at the same time, I mean, I can't imagine again, the sort of trauma behind not only having that infertility journey, but then it sounds like, was it shortly after that the diagnosis happened or was it like, I'm just trying to get a, I guess. It was actually in the middle of my infertility journey. It was actually, um, through an infertility workup that they found the cancer. Oh, wow. So did, did one have anything to do with the other at all? Or was it just, you know, I I, know. nobody can say for sure. Yeah. But it's, so it was through your, I guess, through the testing. Cause I, I know, like, as I said, my wife and I going through some of this process, the blood work is like almost like daily <laughs> at some points, it's, it's pretty intense. And so, so basically from what it sounds like it was, I'm assuming it was through that blood work that, that something showed up or was it something else? Um, it was through the blood work that something just kind of showed up. It was still within normal range, so they weren't terribly alarmed, but it was on you know, the outer edge of the range. And so they thought, mm, we should just kind of watch this. And then when I went into the doctor, she actually felt the tumor in my throat, something I had had no symptoms from. And so it was almost a complete fluke that she felt it when she did, because if we had just gone off the blood work and said, eh, it's still in normal range, technically, it could have sat there for much longer. So it seems like in, in some ways it was caught early because of it, it's, I don't know how to put it. Cause I, I don't want to sound like um, insensitive obviously, but it's, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, like it, it's to me, it's like you're going through this one experience that, that is definitely not easy. And, and in many ways sucks is a simple way to put it. Um, but yet it was sort of the reason for you finding something else that, obviously I'm you're here so it obviously you know finding that out when you did I'm assuming saved your life in in many ways so it's kind of it's uh I don't know I don't know what the word I'm looking for is but it's just it's just it's odd like odds not the word I'm I'm sort of no it it was you know a complete fluke at the time but as I, I I say this you know I've said this for nine years my son will now be nine but it was him that saved me yeah it was that push to have that baby that saved me and found the cancer when it did. Because if I was not that determined and resilient to have that baby at that time and just said, eh, you know, I'm young, I got time. Who knows when they would have found that cancer? Yeah. So yeah, he, I truly, I tell him all the time, like he saved me. Yeah, I guess that's that's a better way of putting it. Like I said, I was just sort of lost for words because it's it's one of those things where like there's there's almost you want to say like there there's uh, what's the same people have been using like the silver lining. Like mm-hmm. there's a silver lining in in all these sort of negative and bad things, but yet that's literally probably the truest example of that I've ever seen because you know like I said there there that was a situation that nobody wants to go through, but yet it it's what sort of helped you live essentially so um i guess the next question i guess i I would say is you know like so you said you know you went through all this and and it took about a decade before you decided to open up like 
what sort of sparked that? And and the only reason I ask that is because I I don't if for t- if it took ten years, I don't. It's not like you just woke up one morning and you were like, <laughs> okay, you know, time to like, yeah, time to put myself out there. Time to like. So what was it that that sort of sparked that that decision to start opening up a bit more and and moving towards you know where you're at now? Yeah. So. I mean, it was a culmination of things. I can't, I can't say it was any one thing that, you know, flipped the switch and said, now we're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I had some friends who started talking about it. I had some people I admire write books about their journey. Um, and I started seeing like, hey, it's okay to talk about this. It's, it's okay. Like, you're not the only one. You're not alone. And then before I had even really spoken much about my story, I was approached and asked to contribute my story as a chapter in a book. And I immediately signed on and said, you know what, yes, I need this. This will help me heal by by getting this elephant off of my shoulders. And then the next day I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? I can't I can't tell the world my story. Who was I kidding? Oh my gosh. And then I was like, well, you can't take it back, right? True to your word, you signed on. I'm a, I'm a woman of integrity. So I signed on to do the project and I said, okay. But then it was still the debate of how much do you put? How much do you detail in, in a book, right? This is a written word. My son will see it one day. What do you say? How much do you say? Um, and I had that debate for almost 10 months, writing writing this, rewriting this. and and um, when I finally submitted the the final version, I was I was with a group of friends at the time, and I was literally so anxious, I was nauseous, and they could tell, and they just looked at me, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, what is wrong?" And I was like, "There's no going back. Like my story is about to be out to the world. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, what am I doing?" And you know what? It's been the most relieving experience. I honestly feel a thousand pounds lighter and I've gotten nothing but positive feedback from those that have read my story. I've gotten positive feedback saying it has helped people. And so that has made it worth it. Like, you know what, look, this was okay because not only did it help heal me, but it is helping heal others. Yeah, that's, I mean, uh kudos to you for, for, for having the strength to, to say, you know, even though it might've taken you 10 months to write it and put out, like, it's just kudos to you for, for having the strength to do that because I I can, I can relate in the, in the sense that that's sort of the same thing I hope to do with my journey in terms of impacting, because like I said, the, 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 right now the media puts this whole issue as like a female centered thing, but they're, I think it's like 40% of men that have, that are infertile and yet there's no real talk about it. So, um, you know, again, kudos to you because I, I, I think that by sharing those stories and by opening ourselves up, we're going to help a ton of people um, because of the fact that, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't um, willing to do that. There's a lot of people that are scared to do that. But when you start to realize that other people are going through similar things and, and your story is relatable is where it starts to become that much easier for the next person to talk about and the next person and the next person and so on and so forth. Um, so what, what what was like the emotional physical like I think you touched on it a bit but like what was the toll 
that all that took on you because I can only begin to imagine, like I said, you know, I, 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 I can understand in some senses the infertility part, but then also to face cancer, like what was the toll that that was taking on you at the time? Uh, at the time, to be honest, I went down a dark spiral. I was very depressed. I was not myself. I, again, I started questioning like, why am I doing all this? What am I fighting for? You know, do I even have the strength to keep fighting and keep pushing my body through this? Like, why am I doing all this? And, you know, there was a point where I just didn't want to live anymore because I just didn't have the capacity to keep fighting. I was mentally and physically and financially <laughs> exhausted from, from these battles. And I thought, I'm just going to throw the cards in because I can't do it anymore. And, and, you know, you said, you know, you weren't feeling like yourself, like to give, I guess, a bit of context, like before all this happened, like how, who, who were you before all this happened, I guess, is the way to put it. Like what, what changed like drastically, I guess. Yeah. Before this, I was, you know, just this happy go lucky 20 something year old wanting to just, you know, I had a good career. I was advancing in my career. I was buying my house and, you know, the whole image of the white picket fence and everything's going great and it got married and woohoo and and I was just all sunshine and rainbows I was having so much fun living and then like you said you just think things are just going to happen and when that expectation and that vision just started to crumble then I was like well if I can't hit the vision or the expectation then like what's the point I became very withdrawn. I didn't want to hang out with friends. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to do anything. I went from a person who was never home to a person who just wanted to sit on my couch and watch TV. Um, I went from a person who, you know, wanted to be healthy and live healthy to like, give me all the junk food I can possibly have because I'm just going to stuff my emotions down my throat. Um, every possible unhealthy coping mechanism, it was all there. But even then, I couldn't find one, and which is why I went from every coping, one coping mechanism to another, is I couldn't find one that worked or that made me feel better. And so I just kept trying them all. Yeah. So the one thing I'm, I'm curious about is, you know, would you say that sort of, I guess, society, uh, and, and I know it might seem like a broad question, but would you say that society or societal norms had any effect on you? Because... I feel like when you were saying all that, like you sort of, you know, you had the good job, you're, you're, you're working up in your career, you're buying the house, getting married, all that kind of stuff. Like I, I w my wife and I was sort of the same situation. It was like, you know, we're, we're doing everything right. And then you get to that, that sort of that roadblock with the infertility and everything. So like, would you say that that had any effect on you? Because I, I, I noticed that like, we all sort of follow this path that everybody sort of tells you that you're supposed to follow. And then when it doesn't work out the way that it seems like it should, it's even more sort of like, what the hell? So I don't, did that have any effect on you? Was there any like people in your surrounding that, that were sort of bringing that up? In, in you or yeah I think it was not as much maybe societal norms or social media because again a decade ago social media was not as big as it is mm -hmm. today uh, so I didn't feel as much of pressure from that but I felt a lot of family pressure like I'm gonna let my family down my family has this expectation I come from a big Irish Catholic family like having babies just happens <laughs> my mom is one of nine and here I am I can't have one yeah and so I was like, how do I even tell my family this? 
I've, so I felt it much more from a family pressure perspective. Oh, and, and I just, like I said, I just wondered because like I said, you know, when you were sort of telling that story there, it's the story that sort of everybody or the, the image that everybody's built up is like, you know, go to school, get a good job, buy a house, get married, all this sort of stuff. And, and, and it just seems to be that you, we all sort of follow that. But I, you know, at the end of the day, I, I can definitely understand when it comes to family. Cause I think I can remember, I want to say when, when my, my wife and I got married, uh, my grandmother, who just passed away a couple of years ago, she was like, by the time I'm 80, like I want my first grandchild. And uh, unfortunately, she passed away before we could give her her first grandchild from us, our great grandchild that would have been. Um, but nonetheless, like I, I sort of understand in terms of like your family constantly like, where, where's our grandchild? Like, and, and you know, why, why aren't you, why aren't you popping out a baby? <laughs> like everybody just wants it to be like you said, like this thing, like you came from a family where nine siblings. So it's just like, whoa come on already yeah what's the problem <laughs> and and they obviously you know with the nine children or our nine siblings they don't quite understand and and it's not an easy thing to understand if you haven't necessarily uh, been through it um by any means so if you were to look at sort of you know all these experiences and, and these challenges that you face like how would you say they've helped you get to where you're at now with what you're doing in, in terms of you know helping people and everything i think uh, you know, I always say like, you can't take people someplace you're not willing to go yourself. And I, I don't wish the same journey that I went through on anyone else. Um, but it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about coping mechanisms. It taught me a lot about doing the inner work. It taught me a lot about what does living healthy mean and, and how can we help prevent these things, right? And so I think taking those years of learning, the decade of learning, and now I can help others make sure that they are setting themselves up for their best possible life, right? So that they are joyful, they are confident, because if there's anything that I learned from the crazy journey, it's that tomorrow isn't promised, right? I was, I think that's, you know, any cancer diagnosis is obviously gut-wrenching, but when I got mine handed to me, I wasn't even 30. I was still in my 20s. And I was like questioning, you know, am I going to even live to 30? Am I going to have a 30th birthday? And so, you know, don't be afraid to live. I think it is my key learning, right? Because at the end of the day, we don't have control over everything that's going to happen. And that's what we need to focus on, the things that are in our control. And we need to be able to let those things go that aren't in our control. No, it's, uh, I couldn't agree more with that point. I mean, I think that being present and, and understanding, like you're saying, is that you don't know, tomorrow's not promised, next year's not promised, we, we just don't know, I think is one of the keys to living a definitely a much more fulfilled and, and joy, joy-filled life. Um, just I've experienced it over the last little while. I've been using this app called We Croak. And when I tell people about it, they're like, what's wrong with you? It essentially sends you five quotes a day that that basically remind you that you're going to die. It's it's to sort of practice impermanence. And people are like, like I said, they think I'm crazy when I tell them about it. But at the end of the day, like, it's just the fact that we're all going to go at some point. And, and the sooner I think that we not necessarily... Um, accept it but the sooner that we can uh, be aware of it i think that it definitely can shift the way that you sort of live and the way that you think and everything like that and i mean in your case it was something that you know with your health that did that but i think that there's many different ways to sort of get to that point and that if more of us were to do that i think we just like i said we'd have a more fulfilled more joy joyous life in, in my opinion 
Yeah, I think, you know, asking yourself that question, like, what do I want to be known for? What do I want my legacy to be? And putting your life down that path before you get a kick from the universe like I did. I don't, you know, don't wait until, you know, you have to sit in doctor's offices and being told your future is uncertain before you make that shift, right? And so what do you want to be known for? What do you want, what, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to teach your children? Like, go and do it now, right? Start shifting your life down that path now. And of course, there's things we all have to work. We have houses that we have to take care of, whatever those things will be. But those don't have to be negative things, right? You can do them with gratitude. You can share them with the family. You can bring your kids in on these experiences. And so finding that joy in that way of means to be grateful. How did you find sort of your, cause you know, you're talking about sort of like purpose and legacy and all that. Like, how did you get to that decision? Like what, what sort of drove you into the coaching and everything that you're doing now? It all started with my own personal transformation. You know, when I was finally blessed with my son, I said, I am going to do everything in my power to be the best mom that I can be to show up as the best mom. And of course that definition is different for everybody, but that vision of that mom that I wanted to be because he deserved it, right? He blessed me with being a mom. And so the least I can do is be the best mom that I can be for him. And so I started to think about, okay, well, how do I do that? And what does that look like? Right. I want to be the mom running around on the playground. I want to be the mom building sand castles. Well, in order to do that, I need to be physically healthy in order to keep up with this little active child. And so I had to do a lot about cleaning up my own health and cleaning up my diet and being physically active and, and all these things that I was, I don't want to say neglecting before, but I wasn't thinking about before. And so, you know, we, we changed everything from my diet to my habits, to my household, to my environment, because I want it to be the best for him. He deserves it. I, I, I have this, uh, I guess, this gut feeling, I guess you'll call it, that I've said to, uh, to other people on other podcasts or to friends or whatever, that I feel like when our baby is born, it's going to be like a different level of motivation. And, and you're sort of pointing that out to me and, and, and making me feel, feel like it's, it's more than a gut feeling. It's probably the truth at the end of the day. Absolutely. It makes you think like, do you want to be the parent? And there's no right or wrong, right? There's very many, many different ways of parenting, but you have to think about like, am I the parent sitting on the park bench watching my child play from a distance or am I running around the playground playing tag with them? Yeah. Which do you I sort of, I guess, which do you want and, right. and then prioritizing from there. And that, okay, if I want to run around the playground with them, am I physically in shape to run around the playground with him? Can I keep up with him? And so, you know, that's what you have to ask yourself, you know, what does that look like? And then again, what do you want them to grow up understanding what healthy living is and what living means? Because you have to instill those habits early, right? Yeah. And I mean, you said, I think you said your, your son's nine now. Um, at this point, like, I'm, I'm sure that he doesn't know everything, but have you started to like, sort of give him an understanding of, of everything that's happened or to, to, to sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Cause like you were saying, like, you want to, you want to instill those values. You want to sort of have your, help your kids sort of, you know, understand how life works and everything like that. So have you shared any of your story or anything like that with him at this point? 
he knows bits and pieces of it. Um, and I always tell him like, he's my miracle baby. He's my special, special baby, even at nine. Um, but he doesn't know all the details. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, he's still too young yet to really get, get all the details. Um, but for sure, like I, he knows that his mommy had cancer. He knows that he's a special, special child. Um, because I always remind him of that. Um, but no, not, he doesn't necessarily grasp it yet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No. And, and I can understand that. I just wondered how much you've sort of uh, shared at this point, because again, it's one of those things like I, I'm, and, and it's sort of a selfish question because I'm just thinking to myself, you know, with, with our daughter coming, like, what's the future look like in terms of like having that conversation. And, you know, for me with, with what was, I guess, wrong with me, I guess is one way to put it. Um, we had to be even more concerned because if we had a son, then it may have been something that I could have passed on. And so again, it's, that's why I just, uh, it's curiosity, I guess, to me, because it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, we don't know sort of what we're going to have to look for or look towards in the future, unfortunately. Um, yeah, have you, I, I think just, you know, again, it, congratulations on your daughter, of course, but I think, you know, making sure that she always knows that she's special, which parents do anyhow, but, you know, understanding to her that you're her safe space, right? I've always been very close to my son and some people say, well, it's because he's an only child. And I say, no, it's because of the bond we've built. I mean, you can, you can have an only child and not be that close to that child. Um, but even, you know, today he's almost nine. I'm still his safe space. He will come and talk to me about anything and everything. And even some of the strangest randomest topics, <laughs> but that's okay because I've opened up that door and we have that level of relationship where, Nothing he says I'm going to get angry about. We can talk through it. It might not be, you know, the best decision or whatever it might be, but I'm not going to lash out at him for wanting to come and talk. This, this, this episode is definitely going off on some tangents just because it's, again, there's some relatability here and, and just some, you know, different questions that are popping up. And one that I, I just sort of popped up as you were saying that is like, was there anything that you can think of that you did to sort of create that open relationship because, you know, to speaking about vulnerability, like for your child to be able to come to you with almost anything, there's, there's a sense of vulnerability there because not every child's going to do that. Not every child is, is, is willing to open up and, and talk about their feelings and everything like that. So is there anything that you can think of that you did to sort of instill that and again, this is sort of selfish, but also maybe my listeners, it can help them as well. You know, we've, we've always talked about emotions. Um, we've always talked about mindfulness and I think I, from a very early age, I've always asked him, you know, like, what was your favorite part of the day? What do you look forward to tomorrow? And of course, sometimes kids say the silliest things like, hey, I, I just, my favorite part of the day was, you know, my dinner. It was pizza. It was awesome. <laughs> but it opens up the door to talk. Like, why was it awesome? Right. And start just kind of asking these questions because it gets them to think at a different level than just saying, hey, that was cool. Right. And so I think always just having the dialogue around emotions and mindfulness and it's okay to talk about emotions um, allows that level of vulnerability. 
no that the 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 part about emotions i think is is a key not only for children but even for adults because i know for myself and for a lot of people that i know you know emotions were something that were suppressed for for a very long time you know you you hide them you you hold them down and you don't really show them um and and what i've heard recently on other episodes that i've done other interviews that i've done is like as much as you may not need to um you know, get sucked in by your emotions. Like if it's sadness, you don't have to like, you know, get sucked into the point where it's like 10 days or two weeks or whatever, but you have to acknowledge them all. And that's really the key to it is you have to acknowledge everything that comes up and then work through it or work with it in some shape or form. So I really just wanted to sort of echo that point about emotions, because I think that too many of us can sort of ignore a lot of them or like I guess you were saying earlier, we, we we find ways to cope that may not be the healthiest and may not actually be helping us work through them. We're just, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, like when I used to get angry, I'd just go somewhere and yell really loud. Probably wasn't the best thing to do, but, but you know, now I've sort of learned how to work with it better, right? But it's that thing of if we don't learn to deal with those emotions, I think even especially at a young age, it can lead to sort of more problems as an adult. But I think, like I said, at any point in your life, it's something that we all need to sort of, work with and work on absolutely like we're always learning and growing and you know none of us are perfect right so we all have instances where we trip on our own shoes not intentionally but just kind of running through the motions of life we sometimes stumble over hey i didn't take a moment to sit and work through that or feel those feels um and allowing ourselves that oh definitely so at this point in your life, uh, with everything that you've got going on, would you say that you've found success and fulfillment in your life, or would you say that you're still on a journey towards that? I would say it's always a journey. It's always a journey. But I'm definitely, my life is much more joyful now than it ever has been. Um, everything I've gone through, I'm now a single mom. But you know what? We're having more fun now than ever before like we're laughing more we're we're spending time together you know we're doing all these things that i just get to sit and laugh and be joyful and and i didn't you know take time for that before yeah it's unfortunate that we we don't take time for a lot of things that are more important uh, and and i've learned that as well in terms of just prioritizing and stuff and in some ways i, I had a an interview that i did yesterday and um, the gentleman sort of said, you know, the the silver lining behind this whole sort of COVID and everything that's going on is the fact that we are getting more time to sort of, you know, focus on other things because of the fact that we're not as distracted by work and everything else that we normally would be distracted by in, in our everyday lives. Um, I don't know if that has any relatability to to what sort of you're talking about, but I just, I can definitely understand how, you know, we can tend to lose focus on what's actually important and 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 just end up going down a path that you know leads really nowhere <laughs> yeah i mean right it, it's very easy to ignore what's going on in our minds and our emotions and and you know those past traumas and hurts that we need to heal from when our schedule is jam-packed right we run from them by filling our schedule right and and now with covid our schedules aren't as full and that's triggered a lot of people because now we're dealing with what's in our heads, right? <laughs> now we have nothing to do but sit with ourselves and all these thoughts are going through our heads. And for some people that's very challenging depending on what you know they're going through or what they've been through. And for some it's like, okay, I've done some of this work. So now I know at least what path to go down. Um, 
but again, you know, the, the, the inner work is never done. Yeah. You, nope. you don't get to this point and say, oops, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, and if you do, you're 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 lying to yourself. I guess would be the best way to put it, because I I definitely see that it definitely gets easier. I think over time, which is the one good thing is is that you know once you've done uh, some of it and you continue to do it, it definitely is it's not as hard after a while. But in the beginning, it's, it's horrible in my opinion. It 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 sucks pretty bad at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, and then you know you have to. It's trial and error you know, what things work for you, what things that don't work for you. For some people, it, it's a coach. For some people, it's a therapist. For some people, it's journaling. For some people, it's meditation. There's no one size fits all. And so unfortunately, you have to go through these things and try them before you know what works for you. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. And, and you know, when I just, uh, I did a solo episode about this a few weeks ago and, and that was something that I said was like, go outside your comfort zone, like try different things because that's sort of where you're going to find these things that work for you. It's where you're going to grow a little bit more. Um, so again, I couldn't agree with that more in terms of just trying different things. And and like I said, it's, it's going to suck at first. And I think that also has to do with how long it takes you to decide to do it. The, the longer you wait to start doing that inner work, the more sort of crap you have to dig through. Um, so, uh, but I definitely agree with what you're saying in terms of, you know, trying different things because it's not a, a one thing works for everybody. You know, like you said, therapy might work for some, journaling might work for others, but at the end of the day, you just have to find out what works for you. Yep, absolutely. So getting down towards the end here, um, the question that I usually ask my my guest is, you know, if you could look at your journey and, and everything that you've been through and you could look at all the lessons that you've learned, but then you could give my listeners three lessons that could help them with the challenges that they're facing or overcoming the vulnerabilities in their own lives, what would you say your three important lessons would be? Oh, I would say number one is you're not alone. I, I've think that is the worst feeling. And I felt it several times on my journey. Like I was all alone. Nobody got it. Nobody understood it. You're not alone. So whether it is again, a therapist, a coach, a Facebook group, find someone to talk to, find your safe space, wherever that might be for you. Um, because you're not alone. And the second one is there's hope. What, whatever, you're going through and it could be so, so ugly at the time. It's not always going to be that ugly. It's not always going to be that challenging. It won't always be that hard. I know it sucks when you're kind of knee deep in it and you can't see the forest for the trees, but it's not going to be forever. And I think understanding that and working through that, you know, it helps because there has to be an end, right? And then the third one is when it does end, whatever it might be that you're going through, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want it to be when this is over, whatever this might be? And start changing your life and the things in your life now so that when you are through whatever that thing is that you're going through, you've already started down that path of that life that you want. The second one, what came to mind after you sort of said it is a saying that I've heard over and over again, whether it's through other podcasts or something that I'm reading or whatever, is that this too shall pass. And then that's sort of what it sounds like to me is like you're saying things are temporary, this will pass. And then like your last one there, I think it was key as well is just in terms of 
you know, make the decisions as to what you want your life to look like now and start acting on it now. Don't wait another five years or 10 years. Cause again, like you said earlier in the episode, those that's not promised. So the only time or the best time is to act now. I, there's another saying, I think it's like a, a Chinese proverb or something where it's the, the best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago. And the second best time is today. Right. So <laughs> just wanted to sort of put that out there. Um, yeah, lastly, I really just want to give you an opportunity. You've taken the time today to come on here. So I just want to give you an opportunity to sort of promote yourself, um, talk about anything that you've got up and coming that you'd like my listeners to know about also where to maybe find you on social as well. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. You know, on social media, both, both Facebook and Instagram, I can be found at wellness warrior coaching. Uh, my website is wellnesswarriorcoaching.com. You know, if anybody is looking for some books to inspire them, the book about my infertility journey is up there. I also contributed to a book on finding your joy. Um, and to me, the most incredible thing that I'm working on right now is I am supporting my son as he writes and finalizes his first children's book. And he asked to write a book. He wanted to write it about acts of kindness and how how can a parent say no to that yeah no that i I just had this huge grin on my face because i can only imagine sort of how that must have felt for him to come to you and and say at such a young age that this is something i want to do and on top of that that he sort of had this idea of acts of kindness because you know again you know it's something that as much as it's important at a younger age it's important no matter when it is in your life and and uh, you know kudos to you as a parent because obviously that has something to do with you and your parenting because I don't think every kid would come to that conclusion in terms of writing a book and about that subject in particular so um, yeah listen you know thank you for for coming on uh, thank you for allowing me to sort of ask some questions that were outside of the norm and and allowing me to share a bit of my story as well because obviously this is about you but I just um, th- there hasn't been that many people that that I've talked to in, in all the episodes that I've done that I can relate with in that sense and so um, yeah again thank you for coming on thank you for sharing so openly and, and I look forward to uh, staying connected and and uh, helping support you in any way that I can, because uh, I think that, you know, these journeys that sort of we've both experienced in our own individual ways are are something that can help a lot of people um, out there that that may be going through something similar. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And, you know, congratulations again on this baby girl that's coming. (laughs) Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.